0: Hi, good morning from PHP Benelux, it's day two, we're slightly, or some of us, I don't drink, are slightly hungover, but especially bruised. There were bumper cars, everyone was riding them, everyone has bruises now, but we're feeling quite alright. Do we now, Peter?
1: Yeah, pretty much so. Yeah. For me, though, Tace, it's uh, something where I def- I'm never hungover. I've got a little daughter at home. She was keeping me up last night. Yeah. So uh, if you can call that a hangover, I'm not sure. No.
0: So before we continue with, it's going to be a nice conversation. I know this ahead of time. Like I, I pick my guests very carefully. Uh, I won't do the introduction. You can do it. Who are you? Who do you work for? What do you do? What do you like?
1: I'll try not to be talking too long, Taste. Um, I'm Peter, Uh, I work at Microsoft, I'm what's called an Audience Marketing Manager in the DX team. Uh, That all sounds like a lot of strange words. What does that all mean? At Microsoft, we have a department that's called Developer Experience and Evangelism. Our primary goal is kind of connecting with uh, developers and technical audiences, understanding more about them. Uh, um, We run a number of different programs for them. Uh, We're kind of split into two different parts. I'm taking care of what we call um, emerging audiences, and then we have- Emerging audiences. Emerging audiences. (laughs) It's it's such beautiful words all the time. Uh, And then we have also professional audiences. Uh, Emerging is students and startups, and then professional is really like people who work as developers for a full-time job. Um, our goal here in Belgium is obviously to educate audiences on the tools, uh, the clouds that we have to offer. The cloud. The cloud. The yeah. cloud.
0: So uh, every time he mentions the word the cloud, yep. there, there's, there's a bar <laughs> over there. He he has to drink. Okay. <laughs> now uh, you work for Microsoft in only in Belgium or for the Belux area? Yeah. So it's actually
1: the Belux. Belux area. area. So uh, the Netherlands is separate. Yeah. But uh, They're yeah. They're big we,
0: enough to handle their own. Indeed. <laughs> And the thing that is remarkable to me and that might you might hear that back home when you, you hear this, he does not have a typical, like I have a typical Belgian accent when I speak English. He is a native English speaker.
1: How so, Peter? Indeed. Well, that's a nice uh, little story. Uh, I'll try to keep it quite no, short. No, 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 no. <laughs> you shouldn't keep Like, this is the stuff that people want to know. Okay. Well, my story about coming to Belgium is that uh, I was working for a company in the UK. It got a little boring I decided to look for a new job. Uh, I saw one on the internet internally. They invited me over here for an interview. I didn't know anything about Belgium. I thought it was way further over to the east (laughs) than where it is. Um, But one thing that kind of swayed my mind was that I was in the Grand Place in Brussels, uh, sat in a bar with a steak and fries, and I was like, yeah, I can do this.
0: <laughs> there are worse places to be, right? There are and, uh, worse places. And there's worse things to do. So how are you coping living in a, a trilingual country? How does it work out?
1: Well, it's, uh, it's quite good because if you play the ignorance card, <laughs> <laughs> that often works very well, where you pretend you're just uh, that dumb British guy uh, who doesn't know any languages.
0: And he played that trick on me numerous times because we've been having conversations like... Uh, uh, Peter represents Microsoft, and Microsoft is one of our uh, our gold sponsors at the event. So I talk to him on a regular basis, and he always pulled that ignorance card trick on me because we usually speak English, whereas you can speak a decent amount of Dutch. Uh, and he always refers back to English.
1: I can get by. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's about it. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. Uh, let's switch to the more professional side of things. Uh, can you explain to people what your job title is, and let's go a bit more in depth on what you do on a day-to-day basis and how it fits into the grand scheme of things in the, the strategy of Microsoft?
1: Sure, that's a really good question, Teis. The thing with Microsoft is that we're, first of all, to talk about Microsoft, we're a company in, in flux. We're really changing uh, the way that we've been working now. Um, it used to be very much a company that was led by selling products to the end consumer, to companies. And really, now we're shifting from being that product-led company to being a service company, through which we provide a service for people to work upon. Uh, that that fundamentally means that the way that we work with uh, developers, the way we work with customers, is completely changing, and means that we have to approach that very differently. Um, and um, one one of the important fundamentals when you're a company in change is connecting to audiences, especially technical audiences. And that's kind of the team that I'm within, is uh, connecting with technical audiences. Um, the specific part, when we say emerging audiences, why is that so important? In Belgium, it's estimated that in the next five years, we'll need around 20,000 new developers to handle all of the uh, uh, needs of the emerging. Of the industry,
0: of society, of business uh, in general. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so you're a key guy trying... Because... Explain to people again what your exact, exact job title is, is, because it's a tricky one. Like, I'm a developer evangelist. That's tough enough. What's yours again?
1: So my, my job title is, uh, I'll say, say it in full just to have fun. Yeah, yeah. It's senior. Senior? He looks that's, pretty, that's for you. That's yeah. for the grade. That's for the grade. I have some of that as well. Audience. Audience. <laughs> Evangelism.
0: Evangelism. Manager. Managers. Four. <laughs> oh, four. It doesn't end there. Emerging.
1: <laughs> Emerging technology. For emerging audiences, yeah. For emerging audiences. So,
0: uh, but you said you you have more of a marketing role, so you're not a techie
1: no, um, per se. That's right. So I would say, for me, when you think of developers, uh, a lot of people don't think of marketing.
0: <laughs> well, I do, because I work yeah. in the industry, so yeah. I but experience the, that on a day-to-day basis.
1: But for a lot of people, they see us and think, oh, what are you going to sell us today? <laughs> I
0: often think, like I use... I had this perception about Microsoft that you were all sharks trying to sell us things, and then I got in touch with the with the the B-Lux people, and all the technical people have always been so nice to me. Every single one. I could give a list of names: Catherine, you, Nick, uh, even people that uh, are in Redmond like Josh Holmes, like yeah. Craig Kidderman, like Mark Brown, who no longer works there. But he, those are real gems. Like yeah. a, a lot of nice people and. Uh, I think you have a lot of work breaking through these barriers still I guess
1: yeah well that's one of the key goals is that if we want to be a company that leads in terms of uh, one of the things I would say that sets us apart from some of our competitors is that we we have invested in Belgium we have uh, people working in Belgium uh, and for us it's not just important to sell to the Belgian market but also to invest in um, you know improving skills and uh, helping with the job market. And I think that that's where I'm fundamentally focused is that I'm looking at uh, how can we get computer science into education at earlier ages? How can we stimulate coding within secondary education? What can we do to make students use even more complex functionality within universities? Because ultimately, if they're coming out of school with all those skills, then the, the startup businesses that we have will be even better and get better all the time.
0: Yeah, I understand. And- that's where you have an advantage because you don't have a sales target to catch. And if people know like, we're not trying to sell you anything, we're just paid for what we do, I'm gonna show you, if you have five minutes, I'm gonna show you something if you like it, good. Fair play, if you don't, good
1: friends. Exactly, and I think that the the important thing to always think about is that the user isn't always the decision maker. So, uh, you know, people who are, going to work and needing a technology to work with, then that's always that can sometimes convert into a, into a paid thing at the end of the day. Exactly. Uh, and obviously, um, you have to invest in both of those types of uh, activities. So that's why Microsoft makes that uh, investment. Uh,
0: a more critical point I would like to address is you said that you're um, a company in Flux. That's your quote. Yeah. You're changing from a product-based service or product-based uh, offering to a service-based offering. How would you respond to the criticism of people that you are trying to that you're in that way uh, maybe inadvertently bypassing the partners is how because i've i've been hearing a lot of microsoft people explaining why they switched uh to how they're actually cutting out the middleman so to speak Mm -hmm. Uh, that's that could be inadvertently but what what's your opinion on that and how do you feel about Bypassing the partners that you've built your business on or bypassing it's, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's the perception that might not be the reality. You sure. have a platform now to to explain how, how that goes yeah. and, and what the benefit still is for, for the huge amount of Microsoft partners out there.
1: Yeah, well, I can first of all say that as a business, we, would be, we wouldn't be successful without our partners. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that's, the first thing and that's, not, only, that's <laughs>
0: not only because he has to say that, right? <laughs> that's not because I have no, to say no, no, it. No, no.
1: Uh, I have many examples that I can tell you about where I'm using partners to reach into education and other things like that. But,
0: but I know it's a bit of a rhetorical yeah. question because it's part of the answer I already know, but I want you to yeah, answer it. Okay. For, yeah, that's
1: no, okay. No problem. I'm, I'm going to get to yeah. the point. I'll get to the point. No worry. Um, in Belgium, we have over 8,000 partners that we work with just in Belgium alone. Uh, and for me, when I agree with what you said, kind of that there, is a, there could be a connotation that by shifting as a company in flux, that partners are no longer necessary. I think what we're, what we're doing with our partner relationships is that we're telling them you know, that this is where we're going. So we're, it's not, there's no secret about where Microsoft is going. We're talking about it in the media all the time in terms of how we're changing as a company. We're connecting with our partners. We're informing them of how they have to approach their business and look at the skills that they have to take on to, uh, uh, to uh, meet the changing needs of the market. Because it's not just the changes of Microsoft, it's also about meeting the needs of the marketplace. So for me, this is this is uh, to put any uh, concerns to side, I would say this is really how Microsoft are approaching this, is that they're uh, making sure that they make those connections, that they understand that there is uh, um, a different need in the market, and that they then translate that through to the partners and make sure they're ready to, uh, to uh, approach that business.
0: Another compelling argument that I heard, and that actually makes sense, is you, by not offering like Azure is the way where you want things to be, right? Azure, Office 365, those big subscription models. Yes. And a lot of uh, hosting companies, like I work at a hosting company, one of the primary concerns was, oh, but they're making sure that we don't have all of this on our servers and also on Microsoft servers these days. Now that is switching, that mindset is shifting with a lot of companies in that business. And we're realizing that, is that like managing servers and making sure everything is up and running, is that the end goal? is that just a means to an end? And I think the honest answer yeah. is it's a means to an end. Yeah. And if we don't have to worry about the servers anymore, and Microsoft takes care of that, mm-hmm. we can offer uh, added value on top of that, our relationship with our, with our clients, uh, our expertise. Uh, yeah,
1: exactly. Well, that's the you're hitting also the nail on the head there. I was just meaning in terms of how we're shifting to put people's minds at rest. Obviously, when you're in flux, you have to keep people on board in terms of what's happening. But as you said, Shifting from a on-prem model to a cloud-based model for a lot of businesses is a concern. It rattles their cages. It rattles their cage, as you say. Um, That's why, as well, we invest a lot of money in retraining, so helping IT pros to understand what are the challenges when you're moving there.
0: And that's one of the missions you have because you're sponsoring PHP Benelux. Yeah. You do that for a reason, I guess. This yeah. is not just throwing money at the problem, so to speak. There is no, a, a concise strategy that you're following.
1: If, to answer the question specifically, why do we sponsor yes. PHP? That uh, is that is a good question. Why I guess. do we sponsor PHP Benelux? For me, it's uh, I've mentioned already that we're shifting to this kind of service-led company. If you're a service-led company that's providing a platform for businesses to grow, you have to be open to all kinds of technology and all kinds of languages uh, that people would develop in. And for me, when we're talking about PHP, it's a fundamental open source language that people uh, use to develop with. Um, and if we ignore that, then we ignore it at our own peril because ultimately, uh, if businesses that are growing or that, that are beginning to build their business, there's some good examples of ones we've seen here at this event case. Um If those aren't able to use our services, then we're actually the ones who, who lose, it's not the developers indeed, who indeed, lose.
0: Indeed, because the story I heard is that Microsoft is trying to build the best platform to host PHP on. It's yeah. not about, oh, we want you to switch to .NET or we want you to use IIS. No. no. It, it's become more of a black box, more uh, agnostic in that respect, and it's just we have a platform, we invest in PHP, we advertise this, use it. We'll try to prove that we have the best product. Exactly. Now, if you're succeeding in that, that's a question I would like to leave out there. That's up to individuals. It depends on the project, it depends on the people, it depends on the company. Yeah. But it's safe to say like Microsoft has been a very loyal partner of us and by getting to know the people behind the scenes, I, I have a lot more respect than I used to have.
1: Yeah. I think what you just said isn't really important is that you can, sit, you can sit in your office and like say, and you can send things out and say, we're doing all this stuff for PHP but ultimately, if you want to face your the people who maybe don't have the best opinion of you, you have to be there and talk to them and engage with them and tell them how you're changing as a business. Either they like the story or they don't like the story. And, and that's totally, that's totally of, okay. Yeah,
0: you have a lot of open source contributors working at Microsoft. Exactly. The release manager for PHP 7 works at Microsoft. Yeah. One of the core guys who has been working for my for for PHP since since I wouldn't say since day day one, but for a number of years works in, at Microsoft. Lots exactly. of Microsoft folks doing that. Now before we end, let's touch on on a more lighter subject. Okay. We've, we've talked a lot about about tech, about the position of marketing, and the marketing that uh, that Peter is involved in. But let's talk about one of your other hobbies. You're a football buff.
1: And yeah, I would say so. <laughs> yes. Which team do you support? Uh, There's only one team that you can support, taste. Okay, Liverpool. He's a Liverpool
0: (laughs) fan. I sympathise with Liverpool quite a bit. So, are you from that? Where are you from in the UK?
1: So I was. I'm from the northwest. So uh, you don't have a northwest accent. I don't have a northwest accent, but I think that's a story for another day (laughs) 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 of why I don't have a a northern accent, but. for me, my father is actually Liverpudlian, Liverpoolian, so he was born in Liverpool. He's a scouser, he's a scouser, all right there, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so he brought us up as kids, as all Liverpool supporters. Uh, so uh, for me, my brother, it's quite funny because he's from an area in Liverpool called Everton. Oh, uh, oh rivalry, big rivalry. It's rivalries. very near, it's very nearby. And uh, I actually used to work in, in uh, Liverpool, and if you don't know your uh, loyalties when you go around Liverpool, then uh, people think you're a Man United supporter and there's nothing worse yeah, than no, that no. in Liverpool. That is the, the hate game, right? You <laughs> can, I think
0: they have more respect for Everton fans than they have. Uh, like, Definitely. Uh, that's one of the things I'll put on my bucket list, seeing the Merseyside derby. That was <laughs> one of the things I will try to accomplish one day. So, But you live in Belgium now, in the Brussels area. I know it's in Flanders that you live, but in the yeah. Brussels area. Do you, do you support football teams here locally? Uh, do you follow up on football?
1: Not, not, particularly. I would say that I support by association through my father-in-law. Yeah, yeah. I support, support Carve Mechelen. Okay, that's a
0: good team. I, so, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. so uh, but I've never. I would say that for me, unfortunately, when I watch Belgian football on uh, TV, uh, I, I can only last about fifteen minutes because the quality is so high. Oh. <laughs>
0: high. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's end it here. He, he, he messed up. He messed up. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. Thank, Thank you for being part nice. of this. Thank you for sponsoring this. Thank you for the episode. and See you later, folks.